0: the athletic
1: before you get started on this episode listeners we've got a small favor to ask we want to know what you think of our podcast so we've got a short survey where you can tell us exactly what you like and what we can do better at theathleticsurvey.smsinc.co.uk as a thank you you'll be entered into a prize draw to win one of three 100 pound amazon shopping vouchers Now, I'm afraid we're only after the feedback from UK-based listeners at this stage and you won't actually be able to enter the draw if you're not in the UK, so don't waste your time. But if you are in England, Scotland, Wales or Northern Ireland, then do head on over to theathleticsurvey.smsinc.co.uk. That's theathleticsurvey.smsinc.co.uk. Thank you and on with the show.
2: Football show European edition today. Barcelona announcing Xavi like getting a shell suit and a personalized number plate. City at announcing Chevy as the former Ballon d'Or joins Genoa. We hear about both those stories how the goal of the decade very nearly happened, who the man they call Pep Genesio is, what's happening to Atletico Madrid, and other things, including some absolutely crucial World Cup qualifiers. All of that in this Totally Football show in association with Paddy Power. Listener, hello. It's Tuesday the 9th of November. And shit's not. Production secret. This is Monday the 8th of November still. Greetings from the past. Uh, this was us recording with James Horncastle, Julian Laurent, Rafael Honigstein, Alvaro Romeo. You know the drill. Everyone good? Everyone pumped for the international weekend? It's a big one. <laughs> Scared, I would <will> say. <laughs> yeah. Spain two points behind Sweden in their qualifying group. <sighs> Italy, Whoa. delicate game for them. Germany Whoa. only about...
3: No Barella as well. Wow. No yeah. All
2: right, Jules, riffing on everyone else's pain. Just yes, okay.
3: We, okay. We play Kazakhstan. All
2: right. We'll talk about the internationals later on. <laughs> <laughs> right now, right now, I want to kick off with some
4: moments of the weekend with Paddy Power. Avro. Difficult this time, but I will go for... Atletico winning 3-1 away. Barcelona winning 3-0 away. And both Celta and Valencia managed to come back and draw those games. And uh, Mm. those two moments are, for me, the moment of the week. Incredible. And they say they don't score much in La Liga. They
5: certainly did this weekend. What about you, Rafa? Oh, James, it was Milos Pantovic's goal to give Bochum a 2-0 win. 97th minute, empty net. And he curled it in from way, 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 way inside his own half lovely celebrations at the Ruhrstadion as well beautiful goal, beautiful moment for Bochum that's even later than your
3: one's Adlero
2: after I've just seen it it's, it's pretty amazing Rafa it's like one of those empty net goals in hockey You know, when they pull the keeper and they they just fire the puck from the other end of the ice, but a bit more skillful, yeah, because
0: it's a bit further out. Lovely stuff. Horndog. Well, it's the return, isn't it, Jimbo, of Andriy Shevchenko on the day of the Milan derby. Who comes back to City? A but one of that rivalry's great protagonists? Not to be coach of Milan, not to be coach of Inter, but to be coach of the oldest team in Italy, Genoa.
2: (laughs) <laughs> Lovely. Want to hear more about that, please? But not until we've got a bit of Jules and his moment of the weekend.
3: So, weekend, I will pick uh, the incredible winner, Saint Etienne, because they are not won this season yet. Uh, they have no fans because they still play behind closed doors, or the fans were outside protesting against the manager and the owners. And they 2 0 down uh, with 15 minutes to go against Clermont. And somehow they scored three goals, two of them between the 92nd and the 94th minute to get their first win of, of the season. Pretty incredible. What is it with late goals this weekend? I guess we'll be finding out.
6: Magnificent. All right, let's begin though with Jappy. The Totally Football Show European Edition's Moment of the Weekend. Brought to you by Paddy Power. If one leg of your four-plus-fold hacker lets you down, get a free bet on all football leagues and all markets. Max free bet £10. Minimum amount one to five per leg. Online exclusive. No shop bets. T's and C's apply.
2: Much excitement Monday as Barcelona unveiled their new manager, Xavi, because Eddie Howe was already taken. In front of about 25,000 fans at the camp now, uh, that's about as many as they get for a game these days of course Alvaro thoughts on uh,
4: this move I think it's very good I think it's brilliant I don't know if this is going to work or not but uh, it's better than uh, stumbling uh, around uh, phone contacts trying to find any available manager uh, with different styles managers that they uh, don't resemble each other uh, at least uh, when you get Xavi uh, you know what you're getting he's a devoted uh, Barcelona man Xavi, as a footballer, he was probably the biggest devotee of uh, Barcelona style and he was always discussing tactical aspects with uh, everyone else, uh, Guardiola, Luis Aragonés, Vicente del Bosque, Luis Enrique. So, you know, I think that uh, Barcelona did well in going back to their roots. It's pointless to have La Masia, to have uh, a system in which you teach your players to to play in a certain way and uh, then have a manager that doesn't believe in that or have a manager that uh, doesn't do the the job of promoting players and uh, making them play in a certain way. So I think Mm. that Xavi's appointment, at least, is an appointment of a president and a club that now has a direction. I don't know if this is going to work because in 2008 it worked very well with Guardiola but times are different, the squad is different and what Barcelona did in 2008, as Michael Cox uh, said in The Athletic, uh, was much more revolutionary. revolutionary, than what Xavi wants to do now, because many clubs try to play like Barcelona. But yeah, I think that this is the right appointment.
2: Mm. So he has the club DNA, that's how you'd you'd put it Alvaro, yeah? There's been a lot of talk about how he's going to, because he was a great midfielder, he's going to turn other midfielders like Gavi and Pedri and de Jong into kind of the new dream team. But I mean, I've heard similar talk about other neophyte managers when they came (laughs) in, because they had a great pass as, say, midfielders, and it didn't necessarily work out. How much wishful thinking do you think is there right now about Xavi at Barca?
4: Well, probably from what you were mentioning, uh, Lampard and Pirlo are two examples that come to my mind of uh, former midfielders, right? That didn't get the best of some other midfielders. Uh, I think that uh, Xavi is capable, whether he will do it or not, it will depend on his uh, persuasion skills, which I believe that Xavi at least, he's a huge believer in what he's saying, so whatever he's going to transmit to the players, uh, he's going to transmit it with belief, but uh, maybe the midfield line uh, game is the thing that uh, Barcelona fans should be less worried about, because Gavi and uh, Nico and Pedri are youngsters, but they seem to be very fit for top flight football, and who knows, maybe they are fo- future stars, but they look very good so far. Frankie de Jong, this is the player that Xavi will have to work more on, because I believe that uh, he wants to play in a certain way and Xavi wants to play in a different one. Frankie de Jong is more mobile. And uh, I would say that Barcelona's main problem right now is that it's uh, vulnerable, and I wouldn't blame the midfield necessarily. I think that in defence they are terrible, and when it comes to attacking, they, was, they don't score enough goals, also because they've got many injuries. So the biggest jobs for me are going to be, um, to make for Xavi, to make sure that Barcelona is already, or is, it's again uh, robust uh, when it comes to scoring and defending.
2: All right, four games without a win. Threw away, as you mentioned, a three goal lead at Celta Vigo at the weekend, which also saw that game. Ansu Sufati going off at half time, injured. So Jaguero's out for the
4: foreseeable future. Any news on Kuhn? Well, bueno, um, he's going to be at least three months out, and then they are going to address his situation. Mm. Um, Ansu Fati is going to be out for about six weeks now which is a hell of a problem as well for Barcelona let's don't forget and I'm not comparing Ansu Fati with Messi but when Lionel Messi became that super player was exactly when he stopped getting injured so circa 2008 when Guardiola took over Barcelona Ansu Fati is is getting too many injuries this one is a muscular one fortunately for him not in the knee I mean there are around 11 players in the sidelines for Barcelona so Xavi in the first day He's going to train only with six players because many of them are in international duty, uh, many of them are in the sidelines, so, you know, there is a an amount of micromanagement that you can do with Mingueza, I guess, or with Luke de Jong, I mean, you cannot be working with them the whole day. So, it, it is a difficult job, James. Uh, back to Xavi for a second. He's taking over in the middle of November. This is a depleted squad. Uh, this is a squad that lost around uh, 45 to 50 goals in summer, because uh, Grietman and Messi left, and I think that, in my opinion, this is going to be the most difficult thing to recover for Xavi, the ability to score from Barcelona Barcelona being prolific up front so yeah, it's a difficult job and uh, there are so many players in the sidelines that I I do know that Xavi as well wants to change a little bit of the medical staff as well, uh, because uh, the physical condition of the players is not good, and many players are relying on this happens a lot in football, but in Barcelona it's happening a lot as well, many players are relying on their own physios or in some other doctors, aside from the club doctors, just to Address their injuries.
2: OK. Barcelona currently 11 points from the top of the Liga table and six are from the top four. Very good. We'll get more on La Liga. What well, was a pretty exciting weekend uh, very soon. But next up, woof, we're off
6: to San Siro. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone?
1: This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pearce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around.
6: What? The
2: sound there of Milan equalizing. to Tomori doing the celebrating. He didn't actually score the goal, but. Hmm. artistic licence and that in a 1-1 draw Sunday night at San Siro Milan against Inter big game this James Horncastle for one Hakan Chalonoglu
0: (laughs) Ha ha yes Chalonoglu who left Milan at the end of last season on a free transfer he could have gone wherever he liked James but you know what he's just fine in Milan the city of Milan so he decided to take his talents to Inter instead um and yes he i think he really wanted um to stick it to Milan i have no idea why given they put a very uh, good offer on the table for him to extend his contract he thought he was worth more on the back of all those assists that he creates from you know corner kicks and free kicks and that sort of thing um and he scored a penalty in this game he's not the designated penalty taker that is Lautaro Martinez. We'll get to that in a moment. He won this penalty. He said, "I'm taking it in front of the Curva Sud," mm. so in front of where all the Milan ultras are standing, and he drilled it down the middle. And then he did the "I can hear you" gesture, um, just as Latan had done uh, all those years ago, and Ronaldo as well, the original Ronaldo when right. he uh, uh, well. when he played for for Milan. Because he shares something after
2: after that goal starts. with with, with Ronaldo. A great
3: start. He's only the fourth player to score on his debut with one of the. <laughs> what? Well, go on, Jules. Go on. Of one of the Milan teams. Yes. After having played for the other Milan teams exactly. with Ronaldo, Ibra, Crespo, and that's it. And him.
2: That's it. That's all there is. Incredible! There's
3: a, I heard that on a great show on
0: Sunday night. Oh, you hope kind. I list, uh, It would be so great if listeners could watch this because Jules has just been like holding up a teacup as though he's like a little tea <laughs> yeah, party right. in England.
2: This Incredible! Is where
3: we are we're family here, you know. A, a, party,
2: a cup of different. tea with a very specific temperature. Uh, that's not where <laughs> the game didn't end there, though, did it, James?
0: No, it didn't, um, because uh, as you mentioned, uh, it looked like Fikayo Tomori inexplicably dropped by Gareth Southgate from his England squad, even though Tomori's been playing Champions League football. Let's not mention where Milan are in the group in the Champions League, but he has been playing Champions League football. And he thought he'd scored in this derby, James. He thought he was gonna have a a choreography immortalizing him in future Mm. derbies, just as there's one of Mark Hately. And instead, no, it was an own goal. But boy, did Tomori make us think that it was his goal. (laughs) That was an incredible celebration. Yeah, so uh, that was Milan equalising, and then
2: uh, Inter, who to be fair were the dominant side for most of this game, uh, won themselves another pen, and this time the designated penalty taker stepped up, Lautaro Martinez. He needed a goal; he hadn't scored in six. But Tatarusano had other ideas. What a story for Ah Tata
0: <laughs> Yes, Tatarusano who is the standing goalkeeper, thirty-five. Uh, Mike Mannion, who replaced Gigi Donnarumma, has done such a good job. Um, has been out after having surgery on his wrist. Um, But they haven't really missed him, do I say? I think there are other layers um, to Mahanian's game, which makes Milan a better side. Um, But Tata Rossano hasn't hasn't made any mistakes, really, uh, since he's come. He saves this penalty. And Milan, I thought, second half of the first half, played some good football, then inter-ended it with those chances. Barella had that shot cleared off the line. Um, And then at the start of the second half again, it looked like Chalinole was going to score. He had a volley which flashed across the goal. Um, but I think you have to give credit to Milan's players and Pioli for the changes that he made, which were much better than Inzaghi's changes. And in the final 20 minutes, uh, with Rebic and Salamakas on the pitch, it definitely looked like Milan were the more likely um, mm. to come away with a win in this game. So at the end of it, you had Pioli saying, my glass is half full. And Inzaghi was saying, my glass is half empty.
2: All right. Nice. OK. Uh, Milan stay unbeaten, and that's the half-full business, and Inter stay seven points behind them, and I guess that's the glass-half-empty business. Uh, the good news for Milan is that they don't lose ground on Napoli either. same is true for the Nerazzurri, of course, because Napoli only drew, as well, a little bit earlier on Sunday, uh, wearing their special... Maradona jerseys. I think someone at Kappa has got Photoshop installed. They've got it's kind of Maradona's face with a fingerprint and just like all over in a big square in front of the jersey. Anyway, that's not James. Yeah,
0: it's it's not Kappa. This is the incredible thing. It's Emporio Armani. What? All right, then. Yes. So they've got no excuse. No excuse.
2: It's just some people might like it. It, It's for me, it's yeah. Different. Not for me, Clive. Yeah. <laughs> Not for me, Claudio. But anyway, this game here, uh, wow. I mean, the, the, the key thing that I want to mention, and there's probably other points too, is the fact that once again, Cholito scored Giovanni Simeone. That's his seventh goal in four.
0: Yeah, he was going to be my moment of the week, but uh-huh. he has been for the last two weeks. Um, so remember when he scored those four goals against Lazio, it, it was because he'd watched Rocky then presumably he watched Rocky Two uh, before the Juventus game, and now I imagine he's he's been watching Rocky Three, which is the what? Club of Lang is that the one? Uh, you ain't so tough. So I mean, he's still got a few Rocky films to go. So which there's no to Which is the one where they to go to doubt.
2: Russia? Is that four or five? That's four or four? Four. So we got that, and then five as well, no? Oh, but then also you got Creed. Can he start watching Creed?
0: Yeah, I think he can start watching Creed. So there's 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 maybe room for another five games uh, right. where he can keep scoring so it's right. remarkable it is isn't it
2: anyway as you were in the top three in city and behind them atalanta moving into fourth and lazio into fifth past roma <laughs> who lost again this time at relegation strugglers venezia ethan Ampadu setting up the winner for the venetians the lagunas tm james Horncastle, uh, who look well worth their win for jose the waters are rising a one win in seven next up <laughs> they'll be facing genoa who are also, like Venezia, just outside the bottom three, but have a brand new manager after they drew 2 2 last Friday away at Empoli. They binned off Davide Ballardini for the fourth time in his history and brought in James Andriy Shevchenko, as you were mentioning, for his first job in club management. Everyone's excited about this, I hope. Rafa, are you excited? Very excited. Right. Me too. Why are you excited? Why wouldn't I be excited? It's just fun, isn't it? He's such a nice guy. that we, we had the pleasure of his company one Sunday night in a little bijou TV show we used to used to do a long time ago. And he was, for a Ballon d'Or winner, an all-time legend and, you know, he was that, an absolute sweetheart, wasn't he?
5: He was very sweet, but also a little bit shy, which I yeah. found uh, surprising. Wow. Well, Maybe he was just in awe of you and your... I think we're quite an intimidating group. your TV, TV career, James. <laughs>
2: He was wondering, is he going to close down this channel as well? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm on TV with James Richter, what kind of channel am I on? These thoughts were passing through his head, right?
5: <laughs> anyway, anyway. anyway, it is very exciting.
2: Uh, he's never managed a club, but of course he's managed Ukraine, all the way to the Euros, as everyone's mentioned. And that's not the end of the project that's being put together at 7-7 Partners' new club, Genoa, is it, James?
0: No. What's the rest of the project, James?
2: Well, I don't know. Uh, I mean, you mentioned last week, Luis Campos may be coming in.
0: Oh, I think they are looking for, for a sporting director um, at the moment. I mean, I think for, for Balladini, who has had 14 seasons in Serie never started and finished one of those 14 seasons. Um, it was a little bit unlucky. Drawn too many games this season after the miracle job he did to keep Genoa up last year. And then they basically get, got rid of all their best players. Uh, Matija Perrin, the goalkeeper, Skamaka, Strootman, Strutman, uh, players like that. So I think that goes to show the kind of job that Sheva's got on his hands. Mm. Um, Shumuradov, remember, he went to, uh, went to Roma so that Jose couldn't play him, even though he scored at the weekend. <laughs> um, so it is a project that is, is still embryonic. They've got their manager now. I think they want to put the rest of the structure in place and I think it's something that they're still talking to to get the kind of best advice on how they should go about running uh, the oldest club in Italy. All right,
2: well, if you are excited about Shevchenko turning up on the Griffoni bench, you'll be even keener to know that the debut game for Sheva against his old mentor, I think that's fair to say, Jose Mourinho, such a bond between the two back in Chelsea days. Pure love. Pure Pure love love, will be live on BT Sports Sunday the twenty-first. Let's see if Sheva turns up instead of going to play golf as he normally does during football matches. Right, Jose. Anyway, uh, very good. Next up, let's hear about the Bundesliga.
6: So, Mr. Biasa, what's troubling you? Well, doctor, my translator is constantly undermining me. Last week I told everyone to take five and get an ice cream, but he told them to run laps and practice their shooting. Sometimes it seems they don't know what they're doing, but with Paddy Power you always know you're getting top-draw rewards. If one leg of your bet builder on a football game lets you down, get your money back as a free bet. Paddy Power! Pretty much bet builder bets only makes free bet. £10 per day, excludes enhanced match odds, min 4 plus legs, min odds one fifth per leg, online exclusive, T's and c's
1: apply, 18 plus, become aware. aware.org. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is the Totally Football Show with James Richardson.
2: Big game Saturday night in the East, Raphael Honigstein, as Leipzig took on Borussia Dortmund and beat them 2-1. Oh my word, it's that man Christoph Mkunku again.
5: Yes, he was fantastic once more. He scored a goal, he made a goal for Yusuf Poulsen and he very nearly scored the goal of... The year, the decade, the century.
3: jetzt vielleicht
5: He did a double Zidane pirouette. So one pirouette, another one, then took a shot. It bounced off the post agonizingly. But he was amazing. Leipzig were very good. Probably their best game of the season so far. You know, Jesse Marsh had been under a lot of pressure going into the game, um, which results being very uneven. And Leipzig playing, relative to their potential, some really pretty average stuff. But they turned it on. Um, They were super sharp. Their pressing was on point. Dortmund's build-up play completely collapsed. And then they played some football for a change, which I think made the real difference. Once they got the ball, they didn't just go... Bang, 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 try to be as quick, vertical as possible, but actually took their time, softened them up and then slipped them one. Hmm.
2: Dortmund having a bit of a major injury crisis at, at the moment, but all the same, this is a terrific result for Jesse March and, and one of a series of, of, of good performances uh, back-to-back with the 2-2 draw against uh, Paris Saint-Germain in the Champions League, which admittedly did see their hopes of continuing in the competition ended, but still a good result. Uh, They're unbeaten in five now, so onwards and upwards.
5: It was a hugely important result for him because the doubts were beginning to creep in and I think there might still be some doubts within the the club, within the dressing room. Uh, Not about him as a person, I think they all really appreciate him, but I think after Nagelsmann there was bound to be a bit of a drop-off in terms of the coaching expertise and I think there was a danger that he was being seen as just coming up a little bit short. But I think he's made some smart changes. Publicly, he's talked up the fact that, you know, the, the players are all behind him and they follow his vision. But actually, if you look at the substance of it, he changed the system back to the system that the players are much happier with, which is the three at the back. And I don't know how, you know, relevant that would be going forward. But certainly in this game particularly, they seem to just play a bit slower because... Um, it's quite interesting looking at the number of passes that they play per sequence on average and it's about a third lower than any top team in, in the other league so they, they string about three passes together before the ball gets lost on average and the good sides to have four four and a half five it might not sound a lot but if you, you know, multiply that by hundreds and hundreds it amounts to having a third less control in attack with the ball and, and really good sides and I think that's something they need to to work on uh, to find an extra level but you were right mentioning Dortmund because they were pretty ropey yes injuries yes system that didn't really suit them and Marco Rosa changed it again at half time but the lack of application and that sort of lack of just being ready for, for what was a big fight and a very exciting game so many times has happened and happened again and You know, for a team that on paper should be Bayern's challengers or at least push them hard, it looks again as if there won't be even a position to to do that this season. So very disappointing.
2: Mm. Leipzig climbed to within one point now of the top four in the Champions League places. At the top, Bayern four points clear now. Uh, They took on Freiburg, where as usual they were breaking records and ending records. No, because they handed Freiburg their first defeat of the season. Lovely to see Nagelsmann returning to some of the more... I would say Strozo, the uh, wardrobe decisions. He was sporting a lilac hoodie and puffer jacket ensemble.
5: Yeah, but still relatively restrained. Would by you say? Standards if, you, if you think back of the the Champions League outfits
0: mm. that he used to wear. I, I haven't seen this pitch. This this sounds like he's in a Mo Money, Mo Problems
5: video. Is, that, is No, is, it's that. Is, not that. It is not, no? it is not no. nearly as flash as James made it sound. I think it's actually it's, quite quite restrained.
2: It's the kind of thing he might do the housework in, I think. Or yeah, possibly.
5: I mean, as you know, he's been doing a lot of work at exactly, home recently. Exactly, in the kitchen. Work from home. Right. Um, but he was back on the touchline in the Bundesliga again. And Bayern... You know, had a hard time against Freiburg. Freiburg really pushed them. Freiburg played with courage. They were not afraid to press them really high. They created lots of problems. They created a few chances as well. Manuel Neuer was in, in great form. But ultimately, sort of Bayern accepted the challenge, and of course, their superior quality shone through at the end. But it was a really good game and a lot more even, um, a lot more balanced, um, and on the edge than people would have expected. Mm,
2: Okay. Uh, Robert Lemduski scoring his 60th goal in 50 games for Bayern and Poland this calendar year. That's pretty extraordinary. Also this calendar year, Bayern are now on 100 Bundesliga goals. The record for a calendar year was set back in 1977 by Cologne.
0: Who? Cologne.
2: Who? It's this club again, for goodness sake. He bottled it like
0: some cologne.
2: (laughs) (laughs) How do you say it, Rafa? Cologne. What? Köln. 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 Them, anyway. They got 101 goals and let's hope uh, that Bayern break that. They only need one more goal, two, so we don't have to mention them again. Good. Hey, uh, Wolfsburg are back in the top four. Florian Colfort has had three wins from three, just to say, since he took over from Mark
5: van Bommel. Excellent stuff. Yeah, really. I don't want to say surprising, but quite a turn of events. I mean, the guy who basically took Bremen down gets appointed by a top four side and, and makes them a top four side uh, once again I mean they've been always good defensively but they seem to have that balance back that certainly was, was lacking big time under, under Mark van Bommel um, excellent yeah should be a good one Cofeld
2: very good alright next up Spain con muchos goles
1: Listeners, we've got a very small favour to ask. We want to make sure we're making the very best football podcasts out there, so we need to know what you like and what we can do better. We've prepared a survey over at theathleticsurvey.smsinc.co.uk and if you complete it, you'll be entered into a prize draw to win one of three £100 Amazon shopping vouchers. Now, we're only after the feedback from UK listeners at this stage and you can only win those Amazon shopping vouchers if you live in England, Scotland, Wales or Northern Ireland. So if that applies to you, then please head on over to theathleticsurvey.smsinc.co.uk. That's theathleticsurvey.smsinc.co.uk. Thanks.
6: This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more.
1: You're listening to the Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. And with Paddy Power, if something doesn't go quite according to plan, you can get your money back as a free bet if one leg of your bet builder lets you down. And that's got to be good news for all you Man United fans out there, eh? Pre-match bet builders only. Get your stake back as a free bet. Minimum four plus legs. Max free bet ten pounds. Excludes enhanced match odds. T and C's apply. it's over eighteen only. And please gamble responsibly.
2: Goals, listener. Even the Spanish are scoring them these days. A 12 in two games at the weekend. One was that extraordinary Barcelona match at Celta Vigo. If you missed it, Fatty made it 1-0. Busquets made it 2-0. Memphis made it 3-0. And they were cruising.
4: Then what happened, Álvaro? Celta came back. And uh, they deserve to come back. You know what happens in La Liga lately? That uh, the small clubs or the mid-sized clubs... They know that uh, the top teams are vulnerable. This wouldn't have happened uh, three, four, five years ago. And Savi talked about it in the press conference uh, when he was presented, that the team needed to recover the urgency, the need to win games. And I think that this is going to key for Barcelona because, uh, as I said before, they are... Uh, The kind of team that are vulnerable, uh, the kind of team that uh, they are, uh, they don't have immunity to anything, uh, not from the tactical aspect, not from the uh, technical aspect either. They don't know how to defend themselves with the ball which is something that they did very well in the past. Mm-hmm. So Barcelona showcased all that against Celta, and as soon as Celta uh, sniffed a little bit that Barcelona wasn't up to the challenge in that game, they went for them, and they ended up uh, getting the equalizer. One of the goals scored by Jago Aspas, who seems to be incombustible, by the way, because he's, uh, huh. he's uh, still scoring goals. He got uh, two goals, one of them in one of his favorite fashions, just uh, with the space to run. And uh, the other goal was scored by another veteran player too, Nolito. As I said, it was a very important point for Celta because this is a team that uh, has struggled at the beginning of the season and uh, it was again another uh, bad game for Barcelona, Piric in many ways, a Piric point because they also lost Tansu Fati for the next couple of months and this is not looking good for for the young Spanish player.
2: Mm, but that's okay because they got Javi arriving. Meanwhile, Atletico Madrid followed up their 2-0 loss at Liverpool midweek with a 3-3 draw at Valencia. Now they... They were three-one up in the 91st minute, and then Hugo Duro, who got his name from a website, I think, came on in the 85th minute and proceeded to get a post-91st minute brace. Extraordinary against Atletico
4: Madrid. I'm sure that Hugo Duro was more delighted than anybody else because I believe that he's a Real Madrid supporter, a former Real Madrid academy player as well. This didn't happen to Atlético de Madrid, but. What a week for them. I mean, in the mm. last two games, they have conceded five goals. We all saw what happened against Liverpool in the second half. Liverpool didn't try very hard to score any more goals, but they could have done it. Uh, Atletico wasn't reduced to 10 men, and uh, they didn't lay a glove against them. And against Valencia, it looked like Atletico had it all sorted, winning 3-1. But if you see what happened between the second goal and the third goal, both of them, by the way, I think that they could have been defended better because Valencia players managed to... Uh, have shooting positions from inside the the box too easily. But if you see what happened between the second goal and the third goal of Valencia, you wouldn't believe it. I mean, I think the ball lasted in Atletico Madrid's feet for about five or six seconds before Valencia got the ball back after you know kicking off from the the halfway line. Um, And I think that uh, that shows that Atletico is a team that doesn't know how to defend themselves. They have lost that... uh, Armor plate characteristic that defined th- this team as well. And uh, it doesn't work, nor with uh, two defenders, neither with three. And uh, Diego Simeone, after the game, he said that he takes all the responsibility. Mm. But there are some players in there that they weren't up to the challenge. Uh, Jimenez, one of them, for not being able to throw the offside line higher. Um, Condogbia, for losing a ball that he shouldn't have lost. And uh, generally speaking, the intensity of the team wasn't enough.
2: Do you think this is because uh, Simeone has tried to shift the balance of the team into playing a more open type of football? Or is it possible that the players, after a certain number of seasons of working under uh, Diego, have basically just kind of lost interest in his approach?
4: No, I I just think that in the past, Atletico de Madrid had defenders with a high rank in world football. Mm. And now they just don't. I mean, I think it's all about that. Um, They are late for the challenges. They are clumsy in the box. They react later than their opponents, they never get to the ball first, and rather than a physical thing, I believe that it's about the quality of the team. They have lost Codin, they had in the past uh, very good defenders, uh, and now the ones who are leading the defensive line, Jimenez and Savic, they are not that great, I think that that's one thing, and whoever is playing alongside them, Hermoso or Felipe, they are not always excelling at their job. So if this is a team that relies a lot on the defensive structure and they, you don't have like quality centre-backs in your team, they're going to suffer. That's for sure. And then I believe that also the holding midfielder, uh, whoever plays in there, is not doing a great job either. Uh, Kondogbia this time wasn't playing great. Koke himself cannot handle the midfield alone. And uh, they are missing a lot the likes of Marcos Llorente, for example. Players who, actually, when the game gets a little bit like that, a little bit extreme, they are capable of... Uh, compensating um, the team's deficiencies and running more than the opponent. They're mm. now five points uh, off the top of the table. In first
2: place, currently in La Liga, it's Real Sociedad who won at Osasuna. Real Madrid behind them beat Rayo Vallecano with uh, Benzema and Falcao both on the score sheet. Falcao is scoring every 67 minutes for Rayo. It's the best goal per minute ratio in La Liga. And also up there, Sevilla, who won the, uh, the derby with Betis 2-0. The second one, a known goal from our friend Hector Bellerin on his Sevillano derby debut. So Real Sociedad, one point clear, having played a game more of uh, Real Madrid and Sevilla. Here's a curiosity, Alvaro. Almost 90% of Real Sociedad's goals in La Liga this season have come in the second half. That's the highest percentage of any team in the top five European leagues. Incredible. It is very
4: impressive. Yeah I didn't know that I didn't know that but uh, well that explains to you that this team has the resilience to to go at it and uh, never stop believing mm. against Osasuna they won with a goal of uh, Merino uh, the 71st minute that was the the goal that broke the deadlock and then a second goal of course from Adnan Januzai from a penalty spot uh, after a, a beautiful solo run by the former Manchester United player I have to say that uh, Keeping Adnan Januzay is going to be one of the tough tasks of Real Sociedad because his contract expires in 2022. And um, he's been good for Real Sociedad, very good. I think at the end he found uh, at San Sebastian the perfect ecosystem to, to play his best football and uh, a, a manager that believed in him. And uh, Mikel Merino scored the goal. Uh, you know, you will remember this man because he played for Borussia Dortmund um, for no more than a year, I believe. Then he went to Newcastle. He did very well in there, I believe. And... Uh, Imanol, uh, the manager of Real Sociedad, defined him as the best player of La Liga. Uh, of course, he's talking about his own players. He's going to be a bit biased as well. I'm sure that he wants to boost the players' confidence. But it is true that he's a hell of a midfielder. Mm. OK. Do you think,
2: Alvaro, that the title race is now down to these three? Real Sociedad, Real Madrid and Sevilla?
4: No, I believe that this is going to be tremendously unpredictable. Last season... When there were only five games to go, we had only we had still four teams involved in the title race, and I believe that this season is going to um, resemble that one, in the same parameters. I think Real Sociedad could get in there. I don't think that any other club should be there, but five teams for the title race is already something very nice. Mm. But I still give a little bit the upper hand to Real Madrid. Don't ask me why, but I believe that... Uh, Emmanuel Guacil may say that Mikel Merino is the best player in the Liga, but the best, the most decisive players in the Liga, the best player in the Liga is Karim Benzema, probably, but the most decisive player in the Liga right now is Vinicius Jr. So with those two up front, Real Madrid is doing Marvels and against the, in the Champions League or against Rayo Vallecano the other day, both of them proved that they can score any time and uh, they synchronize each other so well. I think that Real Madrid has the upper hand for this season, but the title race is going to be quite nice.
2: Excellent news. All right, next up, let's hear about another close title race, France.
6: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
1: You're listening to The Totally Football Show, sponsored by Paddy Power.
2: Ligue 1 Hey everyone, I've got a funny feeling that this might be Paris Saint-Germain's year They went and won 3-2 this weekend at Bordeaux While their challengers were well, Nice lost 1-0 at Montpellier Lyon lost 4-1 at Rennes Marseille had a goalless draw with Metz And Lille drew with Angers So it's Lens who've gone back into second place after their 4-0 win over Troyes uh, but they're 10 points behind Paris Saint-Germain, so that's that. Hey, but Lens, though, how good is uh, Calimuendo, Jules?
3: He's very good. He's uh, Where is he from? G- He's Paris-Born and Bred, of course. Thank you, James, for reminding everyone. He's a, a a pure product of the PSG Academy. He was already there on loan last season, scored six goals. And then when he saw that he was not going to play much again this year in Paris, he he wanted another move, so they've loaned him again. Uh, back at Lens, where he feels really at home, and you could see the way he plays. Uh, it's such a great team. We've said it before on the show, but Frank Ice has, has got them playing really well. They've got um, Jonathan Klose on the right, the right wing back, who we can make all the joke we want about Santa Klose and all of that because he is really that good. Uh, and I don't know why Deschamps doesn't call him up for the national team because I think, especially in other France, player with wing backs, he's better than Dubois, better than Pavard. Uh, and certainly could, I think, deserves a chance with the national team. Uh, but they've been they've been great to watch. This was easy for them against Troyes, but even before that, they've been a joy to watch the, this this year so far, and totally deserve to be second place behind PSG as well.
2: Magnificent! All right. Well, it is close actually. They're only one point ahead of Nice and Marseille uh, at the other end of the table. Jules,
3: Saint Etienne got their first win of the season. Yes, James, incredible. Uh, we said it a bit at, at the moment of the weekend. Um, against all odds, they had not won this season at all. They had no fans at the Geoffroy Guichard Stadium because of it was their game behind closed doors. The fans protested outside the ground before against the owner and Claude Puel, the manager. There was still a, a toxic atmosphere, even if there was no one there. Clermont scored two goals to, to be 2-0 up and cruising, really cruising. And then saint got one with 15 minutes to go, and then starting pushing, uh, and then score two goals on set pieces, two corners, 92nd, 94th minute, to win an incredible game that could be potentially for them a turning point, although they're still not very good, they still have Pierre as a manager, and they're still in the bottom three, but at least that win is a big breath of fresh air for them.
2: Claremont, though, I mean, to concede one goal from a set piece in in time headed on, it, you know, is embarrassing, but Awkward, two of them, yeah. one after the other.
3: Exactly, and and considering their team that has been really good, scoring goals in the last few minutes of games so far this season, mm. so it's, it's not really them you expect it to be on the receiving end. Then, but Saint Etienne were, were very uh, clinical in the way they took those not even chances, those those two set pieces, and they've been very good on it.
2: All right. Uh, other talking points from Liga include Lille getting that massive win at Sevilla win week in the Champions League, but also Paris Saint-Germain and their big win at Bordeaux. Kylian Mbappé setting up the first two goals, both skilled by Neymar, then Mbappé getting the third. W- was, this, was this Paris Saint-Germain looking a bit more like, you know,
3: it? It was a little bit better for all the criticism that I've, I've given Pochettino recently. Mm. This was this was better. I mean, not the start. They never start well anyway. Not the end where they considered those two goals and I think took the eyes off, off the game a little bit and he made some some dubious changes anyway. But in between, I thought they were good collectively, which we have too rarely seen so far this season. So on that level, there was a bit of, of improvement, I would say. Some really good movement, good passing of the ball as well. Um, so that was good. It's good to see Neymar uh, back at... That level, he, um, there's a, f- a very famous uh, Brazilian singer who lost her lives in a, in a, a plane crash at the mm. weekend. So he paid tributes to her. Rafinha, the Leeds player, uh, did the same tributes as well to her after he scored at the weekend in the Premier League as well. So that was quite emotional. But it was good to see Neymar and the, the connection between Neymar and Mbappe, especially after the, the closure gates, if you remember a few, few weeks ago. It's good to see them linking up again like, like the way they did. And James Lyon as well, as you said, having the, the bottom uh, wiped by Rennes uh, on Sunday night in a in big game. They considered four, they lost 4-1, they should have considered eight easily. And the funny thing is, obviously, the Rennes manager is Bruno Genesio, ah. the former Lyon manager, who we all call uh, Pep Genesio in France, because one day <laughs> he had this amazing touch in a post-match interview to compare himself with Pep Guardiola, saying, oh, Pep Guardiola, you know, does this. And Bruno Genesio does this. So since then, we've always called him Pep, Pep Genesio. And in fairness <laughs> to Pep Genesio, uh, he, he looked really good. He was really good on Sunday against his former club as well. So well done, Pep Genesio.
0: Well done. I think Lee Gunn has the best nicknames. It really does. <laughs> OK, let's hear it's them. It's brilliant.
2: Fashion Week. <laughs> let's just break it down there for anyone who wants to Google images. Fashion Week is...
3: Yeah, that's Michel, the Spanish uh, coach who could dress well but not manage when he was in Marseille, for
2: sure. Mm. Not a manager, perhaps similarly, uh, but uh, a a senior football figure at PSG, Leonardo, Jules.
3: Yeah, thumbs up, you know, of course. (laughs) That's how we call it, because every time you see him, whether he comes to talk to right. you, says hello, or is even far away, yep. night or day, the thumb will always be up.
2: Okay. What What? What about Pochettino? Does he have a nickname?
3: Um, I don't think so. No. What well,
0: but... he doesn't want to be called is the Argentine guy. By yeah.
3: Tools. For he's, now he's you safe. don't want that. For now, he's safe yeah. on that point. Okay. Uh, Jorge Sampaoli? Jorge... I think we call him a locos just because of the oh, players, right. uh, Bielsa Pavale, because right. they, they're not actually very, they're not too similar. Okay. But, a little bit. but I'll come up next, next, next week, I'll come up with another Excellent. one. But Pep Genesio is, is right up there. Right.
2: <laughs> what about La Liga and, and, and Serie A? They're not, I'm trying
4: to think of the, what were the any classic nicknames there? I, I, rem- I remember one, but he's not a very famous guy. Lucas Alcaraz, he managed in La Liga for over 200 games. He's very defensive, and they uh-huh. call him Lucas Alcatraz.
2: Ah, yeah, lock them up. Like it. Next up, it's an international weekend and a particularly important-looking one. Details next. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. International's final group stage matches. Only the top teams go through, but which of the nations we focus on will finish top? Who's everybody got? Germany? Rafa? Eight points clear. You are a Romanian. Nothing to worry about there. Basically, what's this, what are these games going to be out? Are there any kind of bit of fine-tunings that Hansi Flick's going to be doing?
5: Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much fine-tuning you can really make or do against Liechtenstein and Armenia. I mean, they were so so thoroughly outplayed, both these sides, when they when they met first time around. Although Liechtenstein, results-wise, made it look fairly competitive. They only they were only beaten 2-0. But Armenia, it was 6-0. I think it's limited insight that you can really gather from this um but yeah i mean flick i think just wants to keep it going i think even though the opposition is pretty below average really um germans by and large have responded well to to him taking over enjoy watching this team play again so just to keep that bit of feel factor going into that uh, long break of uh, what is it 5 months before they meet again so yeah that's really the name of the game for germany not not much at stake as such.
2: Well, Germany, all right then.
3: France, three points clear of
2: Ukraine at the top of their group. Jules,
3: yeah? Yeah, Kazakhstan at home. And I think a win, or maybe even a draw, could yeah. be enough to qualify. And then we have uh, Finland yeah. away,
2: I think. Right. Okay. But well, that'd be all right, no? It's not like the dramatic scenarios that are currently facing both Italy and Spain, who recently faced each other in the Nations League of course. Uh, this time around, Italy are going to be taking on Switzerland on Friday. Italy and Switzerland are level at the top of their group. Uh, Italy have then got Northern Ireland away next week, and uh, Switzerland host Bulgaria. So this is an absolutely key game, and as Jules was was mentioning to his enormous regret, Italy are going to be missing probably some key players. Right, James Holmcastle?
0: Yeah, it looks like they'll be missing uh, Barella, who came off in the in the derby. Um, also, Lorenzo Pellegrini, who's been Player of the Year, I think, so far in Serie A. Um, but then again, they were missing players uh, when they faced Switzerland uh, in the group stages of, of the Euros. Uh, Verratti, for example, who won't be around, he was missing for that game. Remember, it was the game of Locatelli. Locatelli scored that incredible brace. Um, Immobile has been in fine form of late, obviously, since surpassing Silvio Piola as the all-time top scorer in Lazio's history. Um, but it is a big game, James, as you mentioned. Um, they were hoping to have 100% capacity at the Stadio Olimpico um, to, to get the crowd really roaring for them. But to be honest, the atmosphere was great uh, when, it was, when it was last played there. Italy kind of paying for that. Post Euros hangover, uh, where they drew with Switzerland in Switzerland and drew with Bulgaria um, as well, and then there are some bad memories around Northern Ireland, aren't they? Mm. Um, because uh, going to Belfast, Battle uh, of Belfast, uh, yes. Yeah. When they uh, when they failed to qualify for the World Cup,
2: yeah, they went there. So the referee couldn't make it. He's the director of the uh, Budapest Opera, and he couldn't make it for some reason. So they had a standby referee. Oh, he that's right, he was fog-bound, and then the standby referee was going to come from Liverpool by ferry, but he couldn't make it in time, so in the end they had to use a local referee and just call it a friendly. And it was, I believe, a draw uh, which would have seen Italy through, but it was by now only a friendly, so they, they said they had to come back and replay it in January. So Italy went back to Belfast in, in January, I think, when was this, before the 1958, so it was to be, what, fifty-seven. And, uh, yeah, it didn't go well for them. They picked a whole bunch of South American Oriundi, kind of naturalised players, and both sides kicked lumps out of each other, I think. And, uh, yeah, Italy crashed out. They, they missed out on qualifying. So it's a it's a game that's gone down in infamy. Uh, and it's, it's, it's looming again. Crikey. All right. Anyway, uh, well, that's the situation then with Italy, who are taking on Switzerland on Friday. That's a game to keep an eye on. Spain, though. Alvaro, Spain currently two points behind Sweden in their group. Uh, Spain have got to go away to Greece and then host the Swedes. Good Lord, that's going to be dramatic.
4: I really think so. And uh, Greece can still qualify for the World Cup if not as first. Uh, they can make it to the to the playoffs. Uh, Sweden is stopping the group. And basically, if Spain wants to make sure that they are in the World Cup, they have to win the two games, beating Greece in Greece and beating Sweden in Spain. Mm. The problem is that This Spain is capable of um, dominating against top sides Uh, but then normally they don't score many goals and that's why it's so difficult for them to win but every time they play against the top side uh, they give a very good image but when they play against the bad side they dominate as well but they still can't score many goals so people get upset and I think that Sweden Greece, but especially the Swedish, they're going to defend a lot. And this is going to be quite tough for Spain. I envisage that. And there are key players missing here. Uh, let's not forget that Ferran Torres is out, Ansu Fati is out now, Oyarzabal, Jeremy Pino, uh, Gerard Moreno, the best scorer Spain has currently, Eric García. So, so many players missing and so many of them up front They're going to do this challenge difficult for Spain. It's a critical situation.
3: But it's okay because you've got RDT. He's a good player. I love, I mean, who who has RDT on his shirt behind his back? I mean, Raul de Tomas is a legend.
4: uh, Honestly, and that that hairstyle, uh, it resembles so much of Petya Miljatovic. He's a very very distinct player, very peculiar. It's like a character
3: from Star Wars, you know, in your team. It's amazing. You can't lose. You cannot lose.
4: Well, maybe we cannot lose with uh, RDT. I really hope not, I really hope not, but the situation again is a bit critical. And uh, RDT is one of the best scorers we have in the squad right now, so that tells you a little bit how needed is Spain. Uh, Álvaro Morata, fortunately, is there. Dani Olmo, who is uh, still 95%, 90%, uh, he's gonna be one of the key players again. He has played only four games this season, so yeah, again, It is going to be quite difficult for Spain, and if they don't qualify for the World Cup, it will be the first time since 1974 that they don't do it. Wow. Okay. And the first time since 1992 that they are not in a top tournament. Of course, all the second-place sides will go
2: into a playoff, uh, four spaces in Qatar. Uh, But, uh, yeah, automatic qualifying is only the top in each group. Crikey. Wow.
4: But the playoff is quite tricky, James, because Mm. uh, it's a one-legged playoff. Ooh. So it's <laughs> life or death matter from the very beginning wow. in the semi-finals and in the, in the final as well.
2: That's going to be so exciting. When are they going to play those, Alvaro?
4: That comes in March, I think. Wow.
2: But well, this week already looks pretty dramatic. So uh, let me just flag up that we'll be previewing uh, all of the weekend's key matches in this Thursday's The Totally Football Show. So do join us for that, listener. Meantime, that's it for this Euro edition. Many thanks to Herr Hornigstein, Monsieur Laurence, Senor Romeo and Mr Horncastle and producer Charlie too and you listener wherever you're from wherever you're going I hope you'll keep it totally and we'll see you soon
1: you've been listening to the Totally Football Show part of the Athletic Podcast Network listen ad-free on the Athletic app and discover bonus content by following the Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts find out the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com totally The Totally Football Show is an Athletic Media Company production and sponsored by Paddy Power.
0: The Athletic.